Good morning and welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G and I'm a Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, November 17, 2021, and we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter Working with Others on page 99, the last paragraph, third paragraph, starting with Let No Alcoholic Say He Cannot Recover. Today's readers are, and thank you so much to Team Wednesday, Dara L, Kathy S, Nancy T, Heidi B, Carmela G, and our newcomer, Greta Riva P, and the host of the second hour, Nancy P. Thank you for your service, y'all. The reference numbers for yesterday, 7 a.m. Tuesday, November 16th, is 18,086. That's 18086. For the 10 a.m. meeting for Tuesday, 18,088. That's 18088. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Heidi B. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Heidi. Good morning, Heidi B. from New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you so much, Heidi. Okay, I'm now going to ask for Carmela G to please step up. 
to the mic and read the 12 traditions. Carmela G, gratefully recovered from New York. Our com- one, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you so much, Carmela. Okie dokie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive compulsive overeaters only, please. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. We are in the chapter Working with Others on page 99, the third paragraph, and Dara L. is going to get us started. Go ahead, Dara. Looking forward. Hey, great. Thanks so much. This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. 
Let no alcoholic say he cannot recover unless he has his family back. This just isn't so. In some cases, the wife will never come back for one reason or another. Remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people. It is dependent upon his relationship with God. We have seen men get well whose families have not returned at all. We have seen others slip when the family came back too soon. Um, so again, I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. I love this paragraph, um, and it requires me to set aside everything I think I know, because when I first came uh, back into program, and at any time I've, I've set out, um, embarked on these steps, that word in less, like, was my driver, right? It was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recover so that, you know, I can get this back, I can get that back, I can, you know, find a relationship. I can, like, I just had all of these things that I thought recovery was supposed to promise me that were external to me. Like, none of it, I didn't care about my spiritual condition. I didn't care about my relationship with God. It was like, I, I'm going to get better from this eating disorder so that I can get all these external things. And, and what I've learned, what I'm learning, you know, on a day-by-day basis is that, like, that isn't at all what this is about. You know, this is about letting go of the things that block me from God and, and then developing that relationship. And I love that it, it said, you know, it doesn't say it's not, it is dependent upon God because God is love. God, I, I really believe that God wants every single person um, in this world to recover and to know freedom from their dependencies. Um, but my part is the relationship, right? You know, and elsewhere in the big book, it talks about how um, it's incumbent on all of us to rightly relate ourselves to God, you know, and that's where um, as an addict, I can get stuck. You know, I can, I can think that, oh, people are going to do this for me. And I, um, I remember, I just like being someone who's been to multiple, multiple treatment centers, someone who is um, very much a sex and love addict and a codependent and all sorts of outside to OA issues. That was my kryptonite. You know, I would, I would be entirely willing to set down my alcoholic foods and work the steps thinking that then it was going to give me certain relationships with people that I wanted. And every time that didn't happen, you know, I was like, F this, I'm out. And I, and I was. And so really for me learning that this has to be an unconditional surrender, that the most important relationship in my life has to be my relationship with God. That was a lesson that came really hard. It was a bitter pill to swallow. I didn't, I didn't want that to be the answer. You know, I wanted to come in here, put down my alcoholic foods and I was willing to relinquish those, but like, so that I could get the love of my life so that I could get my family to think certain things, you know, everything I did had, um, I had a, a motive in mind, you know, like a, a step three, I'm going to control this life. Uh, I'm going to play God motive in mind. And, and for me, that's the heart, been the hardest thing about, um, about this spiritual walk with God. It's like, can I trust even when things aren't going my way? And then can I share with others who come to me for sponsorship, who come to me for outreach, like that regardless of whatever the outside circumstances, you know, you can, you can be free, you know, your hand in God's my hand in God's. So anyways, I'll pass and I can't wait to hear what other people have to say about this paragraph. Thank you so much, Dara, for getting us started. Okay. Although we love hearing from all of you all, if you have shared uh, your experience, strength and hope either yesterday or Monday, we ask that you 
allow others to share their experience strength as well today. So, who would like to share? Christina J. Nessa, Nessa Christina R. J. Rachel K. Barbara R. Barbara E. Rachel Teresa K. P. Barbara E. Was it Teresa P? Yes. Okay. All right, so I've got Christina J., Nessa R., Rachel K., Barbara E., Teresa P. Anyone else? Carmela G. Carmela? Gotcha. Colleen M. Colleen? April B. April B. Okay. Sheila B. Oh, Sheila B. April B and Sheila B. Okay, got it. All right, I think we're going to hold right there. Great group. Christina J., Nessa R., Rachel K., Barbara E., Teresa P., Carmela G., Colleen M., April B., and Sheila B. All right, Christina, your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Uh, Christina J. from the state of Washington, recovered for today by God's grace. You know, when I was born and first several, many years of my early life, I got many mixed and damaging messages about my body, about being a young woman in society, a young child, uh, about what was required in order for me to get that thing that I wanted since I was a little infant, which was love, cherishment, hugs, acceptance from my dad. We lost you, Christina. There we go. Where did I leave off? Um, You were talking about your relationships, but then we lost you for about, I don't know, 30 seconds. Okay, yeah. So the the message I got from my mother was uh, you can't be lovable unless you're thin. And she was an addict too. And no man's going to like you unless you can pose like a pinup, you know. Uh, And so I, I chased that through life. And I had an addiction. I didn't know it. My first marriage uh, fell apart before either of us found recovery, and I don't think I don't know if he has or not. But it was damaging, and um, I didn't. Oh, Christina, we lost you again. Not sure what's going on. How weird! <laughs> Getting <laughs> muted over and oh, over. I lost you. Yeah, uh, am I there now? Ten seconds. Yeah, no, we're there. Okay, okay good. Sorry about that. Um, I don't think it's your fault. So the thing I want to say about this is that I got married a second time to a man that adored me, and I was heavy. And um, then I got married to a third man after the second one died who adored me at my heaviest. I, I was every size. I joke with him now, well, you've had three women had a thin one, a medium, a fat one, and now a normal body weight, actually four women. But he's loved me through it all. And what did that do? It gave me the freedom to recover for myself, for my soul, for my spiritual growth, for me, for God. It gave me that freedom. I don't have to recover for anybody or anything. This is for my relationship with God. Um, Family or no family, 
husband or no husband, you know, um, we walk this path because we, for me, I have to. I don't want to die without a relationship with God. I don't want my weight to be in the way. I don't want all those belief systems to be in the way. And I don't have them anymore. I'm free of those. Um, so that's what I want to share with my sponsees and with anybody who, who has this belief that we have to be thin in order to be lovable. We have to um, have a certain uh, sexual appeal. That's not true. It's not true. Hi. So anyway, I'll share. I'll I'll share with that. I'll pass with that. Thank you very much. I'm discombobulated because I kept getting muted. All right, bye bye. Yeah, sorry about that, Christina. But thank you so much for hanging in there. All right, great share. Nessa R, please go ahead, followed by Rachel K. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Like this is talking specifically about spouses, but I find that. It really applies to every area of our lives because everything depends on God. You know, my 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 uh, uh, my sustenance, my my livelihood, my uh, health, everything. You know, it's not my job that gives me livelihood. It's not my uh, doctor who gives me health or the medicines that give me health. Um, you know, and you know, I don't. I don't depend on any of those things for my well-being. I depend solely upon God. And of course, those things are important. I do have to do my footwork. You know, just like uh, with my spiritual transformation, um, the removal of the mental obsession. Um, you know, God does that, but I still have to do my footwork by being entirely abstinent. And working the steps according exactly uh, according to the exact instructions of, of the big book, um, but it is God that does it. The, the the real heavy lifting, the transformation, is the same thing with any other area. You know, uh, people who need healing, you know, they still have to take the medicine, they still have to go to the doctor, um, but it is it is it is God that, that brings that or or not, as the case may be people who need um, livelihood. Again, you know, I have to go get a job and I have to be working my job, you know, in order to earn my pay. But, you know, it's like it says in page 98, job or no job, wife or no wife, everything comes from God. I do have to do my footwork. But I cannot confuse the footwork with the solution. Because if I do, then what I'm really doing is worshiping another God. You know, I'm worshiping the job or I'm worshiping the doctor or I'm worshiping, you know, my spouse or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I have to put all my reliance upon God, not upon any other thing, while still continuing to, um, to, do, to do my good work. I mean, God's not going to send me my paycheck home. Um, I got to go and earn it, but, you know, he'll, he'll provide for me when I, when I do what I, what I need to do. Um, so those things have to be very, very clear in my mind. What is the source and what is the medium? And I have to make sure that I don't confuse, confuse them, which, you know, I often do. And when I do, I'm in trouble. Um, this program helps me, um, be clear in my mind what is it I have to do but what is the real the real source of well-being which for me is God and with that I pass thank you thank you so much Nessa okay we've got Rachel K followed by Barbara E go ahead Rachel 
Hi, this is Rachel Kay from Northern California. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, I wanted to share on this because, you know, it's, it's talking about as the previous um, uh, person shared, you know, job or no job that that um, a lot of people, and I can only speak to my own experience, a lot of people came for the vanity and stayed for the sanity. Uh, and that is great. And that is fine. Um, I am such a low bottom case. I mean, I do food the way people on meth do meth, um, you know, until until it's gone. And, you know, I just do it crazily. Um, and so I had to come from the, for the sanity. Um, somebody in these rooms talks about um, an alcoholic um, who was their sponsor, who, you know, when he first got sober, his, he would sit in meetings and his hands were shaking so bad that he had to hold his coffee with two hands and still spilled it on himself. And but he basically said, if this is as good as it gets, that's okay. For me, it took me 15 years in these rooms to finally get abstinent and to finally recover, to finally put down the food. And I never left during that time. I mean, it took a long time. And I was at such a bottom that I, I finally said, you know what, if I never lose a pound, I mean, I'd like to, it would be nice. If I never, you know, get a boyfriend, if I, if I never, whatever, it's okay. I just want to put down, the, I actually wanted to put down the food. It wasn't that I wanted the things that I thought I would get when I put down the food. I desperately actually wanted to put down the food. I couldn't, I couldn't on my own. I needed God but I wanted a relationship with God. I wanted those things. And if some other stuff came along, if I was able to go back to school, which I was, if I was able to go back to grad school and get a career, which I was, but that didn't come until later. But all I wanted was to stop being insane, was to stop hurting myself, stop hurting other people um, with food. And if that was as good as it gets, then, then that would be okay. Um, I, I was raised Jewish and I'm, you know, don't follow that spiritual practice anymore, but I remember there was a song, um, called Dayenu. It would have been enough that that's how it translates. You know, God, if you had done this for me, if it would have been enough, you know, if you had done this and this and this, it would have been enough. And really I had to get to the point where it would have been enough. So, oh, that's my timer, and I will pass. Thank you very much for letting me share, Rachel in California. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, Barbara E., followed by Teresa P. Go ahead, Barbara. You have the floor. Good morning, Amy G. and everyone else on this beautiful, chilly uh, meeting today, at least if you're in New Jersey. Uh, Amy, would you do me the service of timing me? I always no mess up. Thank you. Well, this paragraph says to me, if you would do this or that, I could be freed from my food addiction. Not true for me. It goes on to say when we put everything in God's hands, things go much better than we could ever have imagined. 
There are relationships that may never be repaired, but my recovery depends on my willingness to accept guidance from my DVP, that's my divine power source, to believe that it walks with me all through the day and picks me up when I stumble. So it's not on my sponsor or on the 410 other beautiful people on this meeting and I, but I, that are here with me today. But I do want to thank you all right now for participating in my recovery journey. Your wisdom, your honesty, and vulnerability remind me that I'm even capable at age 76 of learning new things. But I know my issues are deep in my tissues, and I do believe my divine power source keep, accepts, accepts me and teaches me to accept the unacceptable from myself and others. And I prayed for a release from this terrible disease, but the only prayer I know is to pray for forgiveness. I always tried to seek this source, but I couldn't find it. I had to let it find me. But there's action involved on my part too, and that's where steps four through nine came in. If the flood is coming, I can do nothing to stem the flow, but I can take action and climb up on the roof and pray to be found and rescued. But if I ever start, and I have at times, resting on my laurels, I know I'm only going to go downhill like a snowball gaining momentum. And at the bottom of the hill is my disease, waiting to kill me and to see me and my family, my wonderful family, suffering. I'm a compulsive overeater, and my life would indeed be unmanageable. So which door should I take? the one that leads to abstinence, love, and acceptance, or that second door with a handle that burns to my touch and leads to misery and a hole in my soul that's deep and angry and full of me wanting what you have, but never knowing how to get there. But my DVP put its hand on mine and placed it on the cool, comforting door. Okay, I'll just finish the sentence. And we walk through it together. And I found the promises begin to come true. Thank you, Amy. I pass. Thank you so much, Barbara. Okay. Teresa P. followed by Carmela G. Go ahead, Teresa. Take the mic. Hi, I'm Teresa P. Uh, gratefully recovered in California. And um, this just strikes this core issue with me. Uh, you know, it's trusting God. And I learned uh, early on, uh, I was, ex- uh, you know, uh, gratefully re- ex- uh, exposed to religion. And, you know, just it was, you know, very always, it's always been very important to me. But even as a little kid, having this trust and wanting to be involved and knowing this was good and right. And, but, there's always the but. But what I found out was that, you know, I would pray deep. And I heard the words like, you know, pray for, you know, what you want and need. And, you know, I didn't pray for everything. I didn't pray for, you know, um, a new a particular toy at Christmas or or um, things like that. But I would pray for things that I thought were that were deeply important, deep in my soul. And one was my for my little sister to get well. And she didn't. She died. 
of course, she's been happy ever since. She had many uh, difficulties. She, she didn't even reach age two. And the uh, the other thing, uh, and it was just, uh, you know, just, I, I, it, it, her death was such a tremendous loss to me. But it's that I had prayed for her to be made well. I even made that deal with God that I was going to be the, the little nun, and, you know, and, and he would, you know, make her well. And that didn't happen. And um, I had even prayed earlier with my uh, family for my dad to stop drinking, and that didn't happen either. And, you know, there was so this, you know, I keep going on and trying to believe, but there was that little hole in my soul. I couldn't trust God with the really important stuff. And then, you know, life really began to happen. I got older and, you know, getting married and all this stuff. And the disease just exploded, all the addictive diseases, because, you know, my problem was the hole in my soul. And uh, and me trying to control everything so things would come out right, which is just basically, you know, my way, you know, uh, self-will and riot for all these good things. And so, so I just ran myself, you know, to, straight to hell. And uh, what I got to do is, you know, get that opportunity. Oh, and by the way, going to church, you know, every week and doing all this stuff too. And so I thought it was all about, still, and still is about trusting God. And it's still hard for me to trust and still, you know, feel that trust that, you know, God is doing the good and best thing. And I just get to keep practicing and get to keep turning it over and say, God, you know, I did this to you. My, my one daughter has cancer. I haven't heard from any other one other son in, you know, two years. And then one doesn't like me. And, you know, all this, you know, I'll say nothing of that, you know, COVID and the pandemic. And I get to see my my grandkids and, you know, be with them. And, you know, I, I hear other, thank you, I'll just wrap up. And what I get to do one more time is just turn it over. And I do have a lot more peace and serenity about this. And it does come sooner. And I just get to keep practicing, turning it over. I will be done and see what happens. Thank you for letting me share my path. Thank you, Teresa. Okay, Carmela G, followed by Colleen M. Go ahead, Carmela. You're up. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for everyone on the line for listening and for your shares and for your leadership, Amy. My name is Carmela G., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. And um, this sentence reminded me of uh, the way I used to be. I was solely dependent on people and self, uh, thinking that I always had the answer through education, through whatever, and acceptance by people was the key. And the reality was this program taught me that it is my higher power's will, not my will, that needs to be done every single day. My dependence and trust and surrender on that power greater than I is what gets me through and what keeps me going. But the other piece is because if if we look at our primary purpose to to 
take the direction from God, but also be of service to our fellows. And we must work this program and live and keep our program progressive. And it is only through working with others and living in the steps and living in that surrender that we can stay connected with this power. And sometimes I get mixed up and I think, oh, yes, this is what God wants me to do. This is it. I know. And then I concur with those who are in program and give a suggestion on this action. And they say, oh, Camilla, I don't know about that. I think you should give it up a little more and think about it. And that is how I learn and work these steps, having God in the lead and then working with fellows, recovered fellows, who can share their experience with me. And I give that to God so I don't get confused because I will always have my obsessive brain that can confuse me. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carmilla. Okay, we have Colleen M. followed by April B. Go ahead, Colleen. It's your turn. Hey, Amy, this is Colleen M. from Maryland. I'm going to assume I can be heard. Thank you all in the line that saves my life on a daily basis. It's so funny. This morning I read this, this paragraph, which I typically don't do, and I was like, oh, I'm going to wait till tomorrow and share on that paragraph because that's so much nicer. And then it just hit me. And I was like, I got to talk about, um, you know, I spent 20 plus years, 25 plus years struggling with the loss of my family uh, when my marriage dissolved uh, to my first husband. And it wasn't so much the loss of my husband because that just wasn't working, but it's my idea of what my family was supposed to look like. Um, and I, I wrestled with God for a long time because I, you know, I did, I love the shares, by the way, everybody just really hit me. Um, you know, I did everything right. You know, you know, I, I prayed, I went to church, I taught Sunday school. I, you know, I was the perfect wife. Um, and so today my family looks very different. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is the one that has all the family gatherings most of the time because she has the biggest house. And I, I'll say to her sometimes, I feel like this should be my job, but thank you for doing it. And she always says, oh, no, Mom, it's great. Uh, my ex-husband and I and his wife and my husband, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time together. We have a lot of grandkids. Um, it's, it's okay. And um it, it looks very different than what I thought it was supposed to look like, but God has healed me and allowed me to accept it and be content with it. And I'm not there all the time, but 95% of the time I certainly am, and that is huge growth for me. And the other thing I just wanted to put out there because I'm trying to be completely honest, um, I feel like I just come through an emotional relapse uh, my food is down, but God keeps showing me things that keep blocking me from him. And typically it's um, not putting my program in him first. And uh, um, I, 
I keep being willing to be open to new ideas and I keep trying, which is what I got to give myself credit for and realize that I'm human and I'm not going to do it perfectly, which is, you know, I'm a recovering higher power. I need to be perfect and do it perfect. And um, so I'm letting go of that as well. I just uh, I'm going to keep coming back. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Colleen. All righty. We have April B. followed by Sheila B. Go ahead, April. Your turn. Uh, good morning to everyone. Hi, this is April B. from Chicago. Um, yeah, the shares have been great. And uh, when I when I came in program, I, I really was I was convinced that uh, if only I could have the perfect body, then I would have a perfect life, just like from the OA uh, first step in uh, the OA twelve and twelve. And um, the thing that was, I, I could never seem to figure out what that was, um, although I tried unbelievably hard for a very long time and um the thing that was it it was never going it was never going to happen i had i had i had to come to the conclusion it was never going to happen and then i was never going to have the perfect life either and um so after many years many years in oa i i've finally gotten uh, the, my relationship with my higher power that is uh, much, much better. And now I, I can say, well, you know, things are, are much better in my life and I feel much better. So uh, I think that the only, that's really the only way to have a much better life and to feel much better and not to be not to have to worry so much about being absent because absence will come with that. I don't have to worry so much about that. Uh, so thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you so much, April. Sheila B., it's your turn. Please go ahead. All right. Yeah. Good morning, uh, Sheila B. in Florida. <laughs> it was such a long line. I didn't think I was, I was like, oh, I'm probably won't get to share today. Um, but lo and behold. So uh, yeah, as I was, I'm not even sure why I put my name on the list except to make myself be known here in this space, to be known and be part of this space in this community. Um, but as I look at that paragraph, um, I'm reminded of um, uh, let no man, let no one say that they am putting glasses on. No, let and I'll share. Let no compulsive reader say he cannot recover unless. And I'm accustomed to hearing unless I have the support of my family, unless I have the support of my husband, unless the other people in my house eat this way too. Those are some of the things that um, that I remember hearing, that I recall hearing um, um, when I was working with others. Um, and um, uh, the space I'm in now, I'm, I'm actually coming coming back from a relapse, um, but um, abstinent today, thank and grateful for that. 
um, let no, I, I even have to go from the reverse. I couldn't say that I can't recover as long as, you know, my husband is watching what I'm eating or as long as, you know, I feel like my, that, for me, it was like I didn't feel like I could do this as long as I knew that they were watching me. It felt like if you all are watching me, it's making me want to hide even more. That that was what my story ended up internalizing to be. And, um, and you know, true enough, as the paragraph says, um, it is dependent upon his relationship with God. It's not dependent on whether or not people are watching me or not. It's not depending on whether or not um, people support, quote, unquote, you know, support me or not. It's not dependent upon whether or not um, it isn't even dependent upon whether certain food is in my house or not. Because um, I don't have people in my family are not compulsive overeaters. And so there's food in my house. And so it's not dependent. My recovery is not dependent on that. My, my recovery is dependent upon uh, my relationship with God, my recovery is dependent upon me being spiritually fit and working toward being spiritually fit. My recovery is, it really is dependent. Today, I'm grateful that I really do um, believe my, my recovery really is dependent on um, on God and me being willing to be willing to um, to just to surrender. My recovery isn't even dependent on what I think I need to recover. So um, that's it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sheila. Thanks for joining us. Okay. So we are still on page 99 on that third paragraph down at the bottom of the page. Who else would like to share on what was read? Bonnie B. Jennifer C. Bonnie B. Russ, Esther Russ K, PC. Uh, hold on a sec. Esther K. I think I might have missed someone. Bonnie B, Russ M, Esther K, Jennifer Nancy C. Uh, I think that's all we might have time for. I think I know I might have missed someone else. Who was that? Yeah, three, four, twelve. Uh, who was that last person? Jennifer C. Esther. Jennifer. That's it. Jennifer C. Um, Let's just see how we go. But I, I, Jennifer, we may or may not. Let's see how we go. All right, Bonnie B, you are up. Please go ahead. Perfect. Thank you so much. Can you hear me, Amy? I can. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service and thank you for all the shares. Bonnie B, I'm from Minnesota, but currently in Florida, um, recovered for today and so very grateful. Um, so the word that stuck out to me, there were two words, the word unless and the word dependent. Um, Unless was my thing, you know, unless was my thing. And, and when I came into this program initially, it was unless I have the perfect food plan, unless I have the perfect sponsor, unless I, you know, do all the things I need to be doing. It was all about me, which is what it's always all about, and that's the problem. Um, but then when I transitioned over to the idea of it being dependent upon my relationship with God, um, and, and looking up that word dependent at one point and putting these other um, synonyms into that space. The word dependent also means um, resting on my relationship with God, subject to my relationship with God, influenced by my relationship with God, controlled by, um, determined by, hanging on to, um, contingent on, 
um, this is where I need to be. And so that whole idea of dependent on God, how do I end up, how do I get to that place where I truly, truly, in my heart of hearts, want to depend upon God? It is, it's turning it over. And I think about how many times in this program he has showed up for me. Um, just this last weekend, I had something happen with um, um, something with regards to um, a family member, and it was, it was overwhelming to me. And there was a lot of grief regarding the death that had taken place. And um, I knew I needed to do 10 steps. And I went to the group chat, and the first person that was available, I punched it up, and I cried through the whole thing. And she's like, it's all right. I'm a grief counselor. I mean, this is that thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, who else would have understood the pain that I was going through? And it was a very real pain for me at the time. And I can see God show up. And so every time I see God show up, I come to understand his character better. And when I, when I trust in the character of my God, I can depend upon him because even though it might not be what I want, I know that what he has for me is always going to be what's best. And so my default is, as an addict, is to be the list girl, is to think I have to do A through Z and do it really well. And this program is teaching me that I will never be able to do A through Z really well, um, that the only thing I need to do is lay down the list and plug into um, the power source, which is God. But I have to be intentional. It has to be in the morning. It has to be at night. And it has to be throughout the course of the day. And so beautiful, beautiful um, paragraph. And again, just honing in on I don't have to show up perfect. All I have to do is show up and God will do the rest. So thank you so much. I will pass and have a blessed day, everyone. Perfect timing. Okay, thank you, Bonnie. Russ M., your turn. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, family. Russ M., recovered compulsive over here outside of Philly. Man, I got so much I want to say. All these emotions are building up over one little small paragraph. You know, getting recovered, my, my, my twisted mind thought that everything's going to be perfect. You know, my wife is going to love me more. You know, I'm going to always about the money or, you know, whatever. Life is going to be perfect. And I found out working the steps and being in this way of life that life is life, man. And if I didn't have this program and this relationship with God now because of the steps and because of this way of life, I'd probably be dead, really. Honest to goodness, be dead. I think of I had a tragedy tomorrow. It'd be three years. My be, my best friend, my longest tenure friend, passed away. You know, tragic accident. Program my fellows. The good Lord got me through it. You know, financial issues. You know, marital issues. And you know, these things don't all work out perfectly. But I'm recovered. I'm still recovered, man. And uh. The, the, I'm probably not making sense. I can't. I can't put it all together today. But you know, trust God, clean house, and help help others. The only thing that saved my life. It's the only thing that saved my life. That's all. That's all I can say. Y'all, y'all have a good day. Love you. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Russ. Amen. All right, Esther K. You're up, followed by Nancy C. Go ahead, Esther. You have the floor. Hi, I'm Esther Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, 
I I felt, I mean, basically, everybody's been sharing this too, but um, this first sentence is unbelievable, that we, can, we can't depend our recovery on anything, anyone but but God, meaning we definitely can recover regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of of who, even regardless of who my sponsor is, I can never depend my recovery on any human being because that didn't help me when I was in the disease either. Like when I asked my husband to help me control my food, you know, tell me when to stop or whatever, not only it didn't help me stop, it would make me more resentful and want to eat more, so human power cannot do it for me, um, and I cannot do it for me, that's for sure, because I've tried that many times, so I knew that. So it can't depend on anyone or anything else. It only can depend on how I connect to God, how much do I bring him into my life. Do I remember when things come up to turn to him, and him is only him. There's no, um, no one else that could do it. You know, if I have difficulties, of course I have to turn maybe to people to get ideas and to, but the main thing is to bring God into the picture. What would you like me to do at this case? What would you have me be in this, dealing with this fear? And, um, and I could just say that the more God shows up in my life, meaning the more I let him in, then the more I see his hand. And not always is it exactly the, or more often than not it's not exactly the way I would want it to be but it is the way he wants it to be so um so I think that sentence is like key to to my to my recovery don't depend on your sponsor don't depend on other people um yes of course we need guidance and that's why we have the fellowship and that's why we do have a sponsor but the, my sponsor always used to tell me, just pray about it. I can't give you the answer. I don't know. Just pray about it and wait for God to direct you and tell you where to go. So, yeah, so with that, I pass. Thank you so much for letting me share, and thank you for this beautiful meeting and for leading it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Esther K. Okay, Nancy C., um, we've got five minutes left, so if you could maybe split it, like you get Jennifer C. in there. So, sure. Go Good ahead, morning, Nancy. Amy. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, fellows. Nancy C. Gratefully recovered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, what a what a good meeting today. A lot of really powerful shares and very thought thought provoking. Mm-hmm. I'm keying in on the word um, unless. You know, my whole life was very conditional, conditional transactions for everything. I would do this if you did that, or if this happens, that will happen. And you know what that did? That left me being totally not responsible for anything and not having to do anything. I was so self-centered. Everyone else was to blame for anything in my life. And God, what what was God? Who was God? I I had a, you know, I went to church every week and prayed and never got the pony that I wanted, but I never understood what God meant in my life. And going through um, recovery and going through this book and understanding that recovery is a gift and that I have a spiritual component in my life and God only wants good things for me. And all I have to do is listen to him. Those transactions have gone away. They've become 
faith-filled transactions with God. And that's just by doing the 11th step and listening to God's will for me every day and carry and having the power to carry that out. You know, today for me, as they say, God is or he isn't, he's everything or he's nothing. God is my transaction today. And if I show up every day and put God into my life and listen to how he wants me to direct my transactions, my days just are better and better. And some days are hard, some days are fun. Um, but always with God at my side, I can't go wrong. So he is my transaction. He's my currency today. And you guys have taught me that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Nancy. Jennifer, you're up. We gotcha. Hi, good morning. Uh, this is Jennifer C. So um, <clears throat> thank you everyone for your shares this morning. Uh, relationship, that word, you know, this goes back to steps one through three, right? Um, have I conceded to the fact that outcome in my life is truly in God's hands, right? Do I really believe that God has the power and desire to restore my life? And step three, have I stopped playing God? Have I stopped thinking that I know what's best, right? Um, you know, the very the very things that, that I think I need in order to recover and stay recovered could be the very things that contribute to my relapse. That's what this paragraph says. So how am I relating to God? Do I still think I know better? Do I still trust in the way I see things? Or am I turning to God for wisdom, direction, sanity? Um, you know, it's dependent upon, which means contingent on or determined by. So how willing am I to dive in with God, right? Like when I say God, that includes this fellowship, that includes these steps, this process, it includes prayer and meditation um, and not dependent upon people. That includes me. That includes me because thank God, thank God that it's, that, that my self-reliance is my number one character defect and it fails me. So I have no choice but to rely on God. It's dependent upon how I relate to God, which starts with God. I can't do this humility step one I need God for everything right so that reminds me of um, you know pray as if it all depends on God act as if it all depends on me right I have to I have to act I have to take action right but is it God's power that I'm relying on or is it my unsteady willpower because God's power is limitless in my life today my willpower and my self-reliance are not they will fail me at some point. So I constantly have to check in with myself, even in the way that I work my program. Am I truly relying on God's power or am I relying on my power? So um, to anyone that is still struggling to get out of the food, I just offer you hope today. God is 100% trustworthy. Um, and I hope everyone has a beautiful day depending and relying completely on God's power. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Okay, I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for another awesome second um, unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, November 17, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 18,092. That's 18092. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Kathy S. please take us out? 
Thanks, Amy. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.